What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. If you love college football, this is the show for you. Welcome to today's edition of the Weekly Blitz. I'm your host, Joe Lisi. This is part of the Go for the Two Network. We have a great show planned for you today. We're going to turn our attention to the ACC and look at a team in the Syracuse Orange, looking at a team that was 3-9 and nine last season. Can they build upon that campaign and make some noise in the upcoming season, Scott Schaefer and the coaching staff have an uphill battle, but we'll get Rob Carpenter, former standout wide receiver for the Orange, joining us in a couple of seconds. But today's show is sponsored by Jersey Pump. Are you a gladiator or a spectator? Step into the arena of life at jerseypump.com. Syracuse 3-9 overall, averaged 17.1 points per game, had some offensive inconsistencies with quarterback Terrell Hunt. But without further ado, I want to welcome in former standout wide receiver for the Syracuse Orangemen at the time, Rob Carpenter. Rob, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, Joe. Thanks for joining me, Rob. A very inconsistent season, to say the least, for Syracuse last year. Three and nine overall. They were one and five at home, one and seven in the conference. Give me your thoughts about the overall performance last year and what head coach Scott Safer and that coaching staff can do in the upcoming season. Well, last year was very disappointing, um, considering that uh, they had been building on uh, past you know bowl seasons and the expe- expectations that had coming to last year's season, but didn't pan out. Um, and unfortunately, you know, this season is probably going to be a little bit of a little bit of the same, but uh, past this season is kind of looking, looking upwards um, because the recruiting classes that are coming in after that, man, look pretty good. You look at the offensive inconsistency. It started week number one with quarterback Terrell Hunt. They they played Villanova at home. He got kicked out of that ball game with an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty really hurt his team in that ball game because it wasn't an easy ball game. That game went on to overtime with a Syracuse eked out a 27-26 to victory. They followed that up with a dominating performance on the road at Central Michigan. They really put the pieces together, had some turnovers on defense, and scored off those turnovers, but then really fell uh, against other competition within the ACC that was stronger competition. Teams like Maryland, Notre Dame, Louisville, and Florida State in back-to-back weeks. Do you attribute that to a young team and an inexperienced team, or was there another underlying factor in your eyes why the Syracuse Orange couldn't get it done in those four ball games? Well, I think uh, the offense wasn't suited for the uh, talent that was there. You know, they were trying to run an up-tempo offense, and they didn't really have the playmakers that could actually make that work. So um, when you actually get a team that's actually uh, going, you know, three and out, 
quite often. It puts a lot of pressure on the defense. Uh, defense was, was the part of the team that was actually the, the best part of the team. But, you know, when you're constantly on the field, you know, things are going to happen uh, against you. And that's basically what was happening during during the season because the offense was so inconsistent uh, with, it being a, with it actually being a new offense as well. Um, Terrell Hunt wasn't, you know, uh, very consistent, and you know his season actually ended pretty pretty short with the, with his leg injury. So that 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 attributed to uh, the the fall off during the remainder of the season as well. That's a great point that you brought up. It wasn't the defense because when you look at the defense overall, led by defensive coordinator Chuck Bullock, who was a former standout linebacker at Michigan State back in the early nineties. They only allowed 24.3 points per game in a pass-happy conference when you think about it with teams like Clemson and Deshaun Watson, Florida State with Jameis Winston last year. You look at a quarterback in North Carolina, uh, Marquise Williams and NC State with Jacoby Brissett, and you can even look at Louisville with Bobby Petrino and his trio of quarterbacks there, Bonifon, Reggie Bonifon, one of those guys. I mean, that was a pretty solid effort defensively. I felt like when you look at a couple of games in particular, Notre Dame and the Florida State game, they didn't put together a complete game of football. They played a solid first half, didn't play a solid second half in both of those ball games. And I really feel like if they were able to put it together, create some turnovers at key moments, that possibly their season might have went a little bit differently. Any thoughts about that from, from a defensive perspective? Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, you know, when you have a defense that's playing as well as they did, you know, um, the offense kind of put them in a bind a lot, uh, especially in the second halves of ball games. Um, so, you know, as good as the defense could have been or, or was during during the season, you know, playing against all those other teams that actually had, you know, pretty good quarterbacks in a pass-happy conference, um, you know, when it comes down to it, if the offense is not helping the defense out, you know, putting points on the board – and actually just even putting together drives just to keep them off the field to get their legs back, you know, it just puts too much pressure on the defense. And that was defense was actually the part of the team that was the, the staple of the team last year. And they really can't put a whole lot of blame on them because they pretty much lived up to what they were supposed to be doing. But when you're on the field that much, man, it just puts too much strain on your knee. You're going to give up points. And that's basically what happened. Yeah, you mentioned it. You hit it right on the head. I mean, from a defensive perspective, solid and run support only gave up 139 rushing yards per game. And when you turn your attention to the 2015 schedule, they have an opportunity here to possibly start the season three and all. They open up with Rhode Island, followed by Wake Forest and Central Michigan, all three of those ball games at home. But September 26th is where it gets a little difficult. They play SEC opponent LSU, followed by South Florida, followed by Virginia, then Pittsburgh, Florida State, Louisville, Clemson, NC State, and Boston College. This is not going to be an easy schedule, to say the least. How can they build upon that 3-9 and nine overall record? You talked about the offensive inconsistencies, the different type of scheme, the spread offense. What do you feel they can do to sort of – do they have to sort of slow it down and, and play conservative football? By What I mean by that is rely on that defense by utilizing a rushing game and, and sort of keeping this close to the vest, so to speak, as opposed to getting into shootouts? Well – so the bad part about going into the season is that almost 90% of the defense that was there last year is gone. So those, all of those guys have to be replaced. Um, 
the good part about going into the season is that you do have a senior quarterback in, in Hunt and um, a couple of good skill position guys. Uh, well, Steve Ishmael is actually a, a pretty good receiver. Um, got a couple other young guys that are coming along. Um, Ashton Broad is actually a senior who should contribute. Um, and the offense just needs to put together drives. You know, They have to have a lot of consistency uh, during the season. And if it doesn't happen, you know, it might be a long season, long season that, uh, you know, a lot of people will want to forget. But, um, you know, again, that's going to be the biggest thing for the for the offense. They can't do what they did last year where the up-tempo style actually put the defense in a bind where you had a lot of three and outs and um, a lot of turnovers. So this year they just have to put the consistency together, keep drives uh, together, wear down the clock a little bit. And if you get big plays, you have to make them, uh, make them count when they're there. Great point that you mentioned. You mentioned that defense, they do, do lose nine starters, but they have some solid defensive players to build upon. Ron Thompson, defensive end, has great size at 6'4", 257. He's going to be a guy that's going to be contributing edge rusher. Can they get quarterback sacks? As long as they can get a pass rush, I think they'll be okay from a defensive perspective because you look at Bullock's plan last year was very solid from a defensive interior. I mean, I like what he did in terms of utilizing blitz packages and really seemed to get into a solid play-calling rhythm with the talent around them. He's a blue-collar type of guy, so I'm really not concerned so much about the defense, per se, even though they lose so many starters. It's Terrell Hunt overall. I mean, he came from Oklahoma. This was a kid that Came with a lot of fanfare, and I, I, the one thing I didn't see last year out of him, and I know he got hurt, but the games that he did play was his leadership. I, I think this is a kid that can really take his game to the next level because he is a dual threat quarterback, and I feel like he has to realize now that he is the guy to make it happen. I mean, he the offense is really relying on him to turn it around. What can he do in terms of leadership? Because to start out the season, unsportsmanlike penalty that cost you, almost cost your team the game, he can't do that in 2015. I think he learned from that situation. Um, he also knows that he's, uh, him being a senior, he's actually one of the leaders on the team. So he's going to know that a lot of guys are going to be looking towards him for leadership, and he's just going to have to take control uh, pretty much all the aspects of the team. He even from the standpoint of uh, defensive guys looking up to him um, because he is going to be that guy that they look up to. So when he's on the field, he's going to have to show all of those uh, leadership characteristics that he that he should have by now after, after these years of, uh, of playing. Um, and he should have learned a lot, you know, from actually being out last year, you know, see how things are going on the field. And you're actually, when you're on the field playing a, you know, consistent amount of time and then, Unfortunately, getting hurt, and you have to watch uh, the the team play the way that they did. He could learn a lot from that, um, and and know how to lead from in-game standpoints. Know when they would things need to be said. Um, lead by example on the field, <clears throat> and um, you know things could work out for him that way. Uh, hopefully, they do. I agree with you. You mentioned he played six games last year, completed 50, 57% of his passes, only one touchdown, four INTs. You look at A.J. Long, who came in in his replacement, 53.9%, four touchdowns, eight INTs, obviously inconsistent in the passing attack. But you mentioned a guy, Steve Israel, Ishmael, excuse me, 
that really came out freshman year. I mean, he's a big kid, has great hands, and seems to stretch the field and can take the top off the defense. What is it about his game that you like and feel like he can contribute in year number two of Scott Schaefer's system? Well, the way he came on at the end of the season um, showed that he actually has uh, the skills to actually be the number one guy. Uh, you don't really see that in a, in a, in a freshman playing, but the way he ended the season, you know, it could just only lead to good things going into this season as long as he actually, you know, went through spring, which he did, and showed the consistency that he that he has. And he does have the uh, skills to take the top off the defense. He's a big kid, um, catches the ball well, catches the ball in the crowd. Uh, so all the plays that actually can be made from him can lead to big things for, for the offense. So they're going to look to him a lot uh, this year. Uh, the offense is a little different. It's not the uh, the quick hitting bubble screen type offense that was there last year. It better suits the guys that are there now to utilize their size and speed down the field. And he's one of the uh gonna be one of the big threats doing that. You look at their their home record because you played in the carrier dome, you know what a significant advantage it is to play in that dome. I don't know what it is, Rob, but we've seen some wild games throughout the years. I could turn even to the days after you left. Nineteen ninety four is a game that stands out for me where Oklahoma jumped out to a huge lead. Syracuse stormed back, and Oklahoma won that game. But we've seen some dynamic games throughout the years in college football within the Carrier Dome. And for Syracuse to not win a game outside that opening season victory against Villanova, what can they do to get that home field advantage back in terms of winning at home is a recipe. You need to win at home to have that success on the road especially in the ACC. What can they do? They were 1-5 overall. I mean, at, playing at home should not be a detriment to this ball club. Honestly, man, we all know when you're playing at home, you have to get the crowd involved in the game. The crowd is is the biggest factor in playing um, home game. So what does that entail? Scoring points. you got to score to get the crowd involved. And defense has to make plays. And, and offense is scoring and defense is uh, getting sacks and committing turnovers, forcing teams to, you know, to punt. Um, that keeps the crowd involved. And we all know when you watch games around the country, and even when I was there, and that was the, that was one of the biggest things. You know, Cary Dome's had 50,000 people. And even though it's only 50,000, the 50,000 are right on top of the field. And, you know, it's one of the loudest places that you can actually be in when the crowd is involved in a game. Team actually has to be uh, involved in to get the crowd involved in the game, and then at that moment, then you can actually have uh, a real, true uh, home field advantage. So the team is just going to have to be consistent with that, with uh, scoring points at home, and, and the defense is going to have to uh, keep the crowd involved. You know, trying to get turnovers and uh, getting three and outs and things like that, making stops when they have to make stops. Great point. You mentioned the Carrier Dome. They don't pump air into there, right? I mean, it's a very humid atmosphere. I remember in 1998, the year that Tennessee won their national championship uh, season against Syracuse opening week, T. Martin, and that offense came back. But I remember players on both sides cramping up. We've seen that throughout the years, especially in the early part of the season where players tend to cramp up in the Carrier Dome. What is it? about the humidity, it gets very hot in there. Players need to be hydrated. Is that what you see when you're there? I mean, you played in it. I've never been to the Carrier Dome. But talk to me about the elements within the dome itself. 
Well, the, the air is, is consistent in the dome. Um, but early in the season when uh, the heat is actually around, you know, up, up, upstate New York, it actually creates, uh, I want to say, uh, uh, an almost humid, humid-like uh, atmosphere inside the dome. So early in the season, you will see that. Um, it, it gets very hot in there. They don't uh, pretty much cool off the place with, with AC or anything like that. So early in the season when, when you know, it's pretty much still summertime, those early games, just like playing outdoors uh, uh, in the heat. So teams that come up there are not used to that. And even uh, the home team, searches, you know, with us running around in there, it's not like we actually practice inside uh, all the time in the dome at the time that I was there. And years after that, the, the team only went in there for one day out of the week, and that was pretty much the day before the game to get your uh, walkthroughs and everything done. So, you know, you used to practicing outside uh, in the elements outside, especially early in the season. So, you know, it takes a little bit of, to, to get used to, especially if those those early games are, are very warm outside. You know, so it creates a humid-like atmosphere inside the dome, and the air is not going anywhere. It's just right on top of you. So it's pretty oppressive when you're inside. It, the temperature is regular. Yeah, great, great, great matchups. And, and they open up, Rob. They open up their first four. I, I made a mistake. LSU, I thought it was on a neutral field site. It is at home in the Carrier Dome. If somehow, some way, they can find a way to knock off LSU, and it's not going to be easy. We know that. But if, if they can knock off LSU, that could possibly propel them to be in a monumental momentum builder throughout the ACC schedule. So they have an opportunity here to really, even if they split their two games, but one of those split their first four games, let's just say they're all winnable, but that LSU game is the turning point. If they could somehow play well in that game and get that victory, that could be a game changer. I mean, that could be a recruiting changer. That could be, that could be so many different levels of success for the program. If they could find a way to get it done. That's actually a season change right there, you know. Um, so, so any way possible to get that that victory uh, against LSU, yeah, everybody's going to notice that that particular game. Uh, and like you said, recruits are going to notice. Um, they, the guys actually playing, you know, during the during the season, the guys on the team. That would be a, a huge confidence boost for going forward into the ACC schedule. So, um, that would be huge for them. And pretty much can't wait to see what happens. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens during the season, especially uh, the way uh, the offense performed last year, very so inconsistent see if they can actually get some consistency back with some of the guys that are actually are coming back this year and, and see how if uh, Schaefer and those guys can actually get the defense uh, back up to par the way they had last year by you know replacing all of the guys that were lost on defense. You talk about the head coaching staff and Scott Schaefer. He he takes over for Doug Marone, who moved on from Syracuse to the NFL with the Buffalo Bills and then made a poor decision, thought he was going to get the head coaching gig with New York, quit Buffalo, and now is a coordinator in Jacksonville. Not sure why he made that decision, but when you look at his departure, how long will the fan base be around this coaching staff and supportive of this coaching staff. They they have a very difficult task around them because the ACC is an up-and-coming conference. You have teams at the top half like Florida State, Clemson, and Louisville, and you have some up-and-comers now at the bottom of the conference like NC State making some noise with new head coach Dave Dorian. 
How long will the fans be faithful with this coaching staff? Um, I think they're going to give them a shot. Uh, they know that it's, it's a tough task for for Shakespeare and the crew. Um, and I think the way the things that I'm hearing, uh, you know, they know this season is going to be a tough season, especially uh, losing so many guys on defense. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, earlier, um, they are actually getting some some good recruits in for years beyond. So I think this season, the fans will be patient. Um, if the team is making improvements every week. And then going into the following season with some of the recruits that they actually already have committed. Um, and even this season with some of the young guys that have committed coming into this season who probably won't be ready this year, but for the following year, I think uh, the fans then will start to look and be like, okay, the improvements need to be made, and we'll see what happens after that uh, if they can, if they actually stand behind the, uh, stand behind the coaching staff if things are going well. I, I'm in agreement with you in terms of I think they need to show some progression any type of progression, whether it be four or five wins, they can't go through another three and nine or, or two and 10 campaign and expect the fans to be behind this team. I'll tell you why. It's not going to be easy. Again, they open with Rhode Island. They play Wake Forest, Central Michigan, and LSU all at home. The first three winnable, you know, in their level ball games, LSU is going to be a step up. They need to win that game or possibly play well. Then they go on the road to South Florida Virginia, again, within their range. But then they, they get into the meat of the conference, Pittsburgh, Florida State, Louisville, Clemson, NC State, and Boston College. That's where it really, really buckles down in terms of the conference schedule. So I think they need to see some sort of progression from that 3-9 and nine to hold off uh, the fans wanting a, a, a change at that point because now you change the offensive scheme. This is supposed to be – Tour, you know, benefit Terrell Hunt's strength at quarterback. So now it's a make it or break it, in my opinion. You have to build on that. But we'll see. I know you're very high on the recruiting class. Talk to me about this year's class. There's uh, a couple of guys I want to mention. Jake Picard, who comes, he's a defensive end, moved from Wisconsin where he committed originally to Syracuse. I know fans are very excited about him. Any others you want to talk about right off the top? Um, right off the top, I, I think he was the one who actually just uh, stood out to me when I when I saw that he, he left from uh, or he committed actually from Wisconsin to come to Syracuse. So I think he's going to be a good, you know a very good player for a few years, and he's one of the guys that they're going to be looking forward to to um, actually replace some of the guys that were lost from last year. So um, at this moment, it's kind of hard to say, you know, I, I, because I'm not really sure which actually guys are going uh, will have the chance to play this year. Um, I, I believe, I, and the guy's name slips him online right now. Um, he's defensive back, and I think he's going to have a shot to play uh, as a freshman this year, playing safety. Um, wow, I remember it just really just slipped out my mind just now. But um, most of it's going to be most of the guys that are on defense uh, that I'm looking forward to. Some of the freshmen that are playing. Another kid that is Stephen Clark, the defensive lineman. He comes with a lot of fanfare. I know Chuck Bullock and the coaching staff were very excited around him. I mean, when you look at the defensive statistics overall, they only gave up 209 passing yards per game. Again, in the ACC, that's a dominant effort when you think about the teams that love to throw the football. We mentioned five of them, Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, NC State, and North Carolina, just to name a few within the conference, to only give up 209 passing yards per game. That's a solid, solid effort when you see what spread teams do in college football today. So as long as the defense 
plays, and I know they lose some starters, but as long as they're consistent and they play Chuck Bullock type of football, I think this team will be in every ball game in terms of one or two breaks here and there, and it'll be up to their offense to whether they, they can close the door and make strides in that new offensive scheme. They've had some problems in terms of red zone offense. What is that attributed to? Do you think it's a, a play-calling issue, or do you feel like it's inexperience again when you look at the in, uh, inconsistencies within the red zone? Because you can move the football between the 30s. Once you get into that you know, 20-yard line area where defense buckles up and plays a little bit tighter, what can Syracuse do formation-wise or play-calling-wise to change it up to get success? Um, I, I think they actually just have to get consistent in the play calling down in the red zone. You can't, you know, uh, make things complicated down in the red zone. Everybody knows when you get to the red zone, there's not a lot of space for offenses to move. Um, if you can run the ball in the red zone, you know, that's, a, that's a great thing because you, you open up so much more that you can do in that limited amount of space. Uh, they, they just can't be one-dimensional. Um, and they have to get consistent play from the quarterback spot. So, you know, when you have to throw in the red zone and you have to make those tight throws, you have to make them. Uh, and the guys on the outside have to have to help you the QB out. Um, the consistently, consistency of the play calling and the play being made in the red zone has to be there or else it's going to, you know, it'll be end up being a long season. And as far, great as, point goes, br- as far as defense goes, you know, the, the scheme that they have is the one thing that was great. Um, which which limited a lot of the the stats happy offenses in the ACC. We we know that the ACC teams have put up a lot of points. Uh, so hopefully the young guys can come along and and buy into the scheme and you know get consistent with with each other early on in the season and you know the defense can pick up right where they left off from last year. Another point I noticed in terms of the team and and maybe it's inconsistency as well with new schemes. But penalties per game, 7.2 penalties per game over the course of 12 games, they had 86 penalties for this team. That can't happen, especially when you're, when you're neck and neck in terms of competition or when you take a step up in competition. You need to play flaw-free football, and that comes in the early tr- part of spring ball. That comes in fall camp. You have to be disciplined. That's a, does that fall on the coaching staff as well? Because I talked to former players. That's the number one thing, discipline, that needs to be taught. That's, that should be going forward first and foremost when you start a season, discipline throughout the year in terms of penalties. When you see inconsistencies, is that the coaching staff not getting their, their scheme or technique or getting through to the players? That's absolutely uh, falls on the coaching staff. Um, you have coaches that drill that into a lot of players, and then you have coaches that, will tend to overlook those things in practice. Um, you know, some of the best coaches don't overlook that in practice. When guys go offside, it's just, you know, it's drilled into them. You can't be offside in certain situations. You can't have holding penalties in certain situations. Um, in the red zone, you cannot have penalties in the red zone because they kill drive. Uh, on offense, holding penalties kill drive. Uh, uh, is going offside in the red zone or, or uh, passing interference penalties. They give the offense the you know extra chance. You just can't have that. And uh, the the better coaches actually drill that into players, and um, it's it's very much frowned upon during during practice. So yeah, it actually a lot of that does fall on the coaching staff. Um, but then again, also 
when you have leadership on the team, um, players can actually take that into consideration, and leaders of the team will make sure that that guys fall into place with penalties as well. I think it starts at the quarterback position, and I am in agreement with you when you when you said that it is the coaching staff because the players need to know what the coaching staff expects from them. And in terms of discipline, that's what makes successful seasons, the little things. It starts with penalties, then it works to turnovers, cutting that down, and then it moves on to other parts of the game. But those are the first things when you look at successful teams. They have very few penalties. They don't turn the ball over. They create turnovers, which gives them advantages. And you know as well as anybody, playing on the road to get these tough ball games, there's two things you need to do. You can't turn the ball over. You need to force turnovers on the road, and you need to run the football. Those are three recipes that in order to get tough road games, you need to do three of those things, at least two, in order to pull out victories on the road. And when you look at Syracuse overall, in 2014, they did not do that consistently. That's why they finished three and nine. But I want to get your take. Give me a prediction for this team. Can you see this team surprising fans within the ACC and, and surprising those fans in Syracuse with a dominant effort, or do you just feel it's another rebuilding year for your alma mater? Um, in all honesty, I think this is a rebuilding year, but um, I do think they will be better than the 3-9 and nine that, they, uh, that was from last year. Um, I do think the first three games they should win, um, and it's possible that they could pull off a couple of more uh, maybe get to, you know, five victories for the season, which hopefully will catapult the team into the following year uh, moving forward. Um, again, with some of the recruits that they have coming in, uh, three- and four-star recruits. So, um, me personally, I'm not looking for anything super huge this season, and I don't think every uh, uh, the fans in the community are, are either. They just want improvement uh, from last year. Um, Three and nine just won't get it. So uh, hopefully, you know, the team shows a little more improvement this season uh, and can move forward from after that. We'll see. That's what makes college football so special, Rob. Having you on, talking about your former alma mater. It's only June right now. We're about 85 days away from the start of the college football season, but we're talking about it now. We're breaking it down. You know you're going to be on later in the year as we inch closer to the start of the college football season. As always, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's always a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, no problem, Joe. Uh, anytime, man. Once the season starts. My pleasure. Look forward to getting on again. Thank you, Rob. All right. That was former standout wide receiver for the Syracuse Orange, Rob Carpenter. This guy tore it up in the carrier zone. Opposite, Rob Moore, dynamic duo for the Orange men at the time. Let me tell you, these guys tore it up. They know what it takes to win in Syracuse. And you heard his thoughts. Consistencies on the offensive side of the ball. Defense, they lose nine starters, but he likes the scheme that Chuck Bullock, the defensive coordinator, has in place. He's heard some great things about some of the recruits coming in, three- and four-star recruits that the coaching staff got this season. So how patient will fans be will be the next step for whether this coaching staff is here in 2016 or beyond. We'll have to see. It's a very tough 
schedule for the Orange. They have some up-and-coming teams trying to make some noise this season. A team like NC State could possibly be an ACC dark horse. When you look at their quarterback and Jacoby Brissett, former Florida standout quarterback, moved on, had great success in Dave Dorian's system last year. This is a team that showed great strides in year number two, dominant, dominant victory over a solid UCF team in their bowl game. That's a team that can make some noise. You look at North Carolina and breakout quarterback Marquise Williams, they didn't get it done in their bowl game, but they, are, they have offensive firepower led by their head coach, Larry Fedora. So those are two teams that are on their way up, and Syracuse is on the outside looking in at this point. But that's why it's college football. Anything can happen, and that's why we love talking about it. Stay with me all season long on the Weekly Blitz. This week continues with some great guests. Join me later in this week. It's Thursday now. I have another great Syracuse standout joining me later tonight. That'll be up on the website, gofortheq.com. College football is awesome. I just love talking about it. Stay with me all season long on the weekly blitz. Have a great week, everyone. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.